In today's show, we start to break down what we saw at the Summer League. Summer Leagues. Doing the Eastern Conference today, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram, at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, and we are available on all platforms. Summer League is over, so we're going to break it down over the next two shows. What we saw, what's important, what's interesting... What's not interesting? What's not important? All that sort of stuff. And we're going to start today with the Eastern Conference. A reminder, if you are asking things about, hey, who do I draft at this point? Or I just don't know. It's too early to be doing drafts. I, I honestly, I know some people are doing them. It is too early. There is still you know, two at least massive deals probably going to happen. Don Mitchell, Kevin Durant. We don't know what's happening with Kyrie. Is Russell Westbrook back with the Lakers? Probably. It's Miles Turner sticking around. We don't know where Colin Sexton's going. Where's What the hell is happening with Miles Bridges? Hopefully, he's not playing ever again. But there is a lot of stuff still to happen, and we still need to have this whole process going through. So I just don't know about players and positions and draft data and all that sort of stuff. Another commonly asked question, when does Yahoo open back up? Normally, it's middle of August to end of August. That's when they will open up the site back up for mock drafts and starting leagues and all that sort of stuff. So now that I've said... All of this, um, hey, Warney, what should we do? Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> we'll start with the Hawks. Pretty boring summer league team, to be honest. Now, I'll do this. What's my theme music? I thought Sharif Cooper fell way too far in the draft last season. I thought he can be a really solid player. Um, maybe not. He, oh, he was terrible. Four points he averaged. He shot 19%, which was 19% from two and 18% from three. He did average four assists in 21 minutes, but everything else was just wildly off. I still think there is a decent backup point guard in there, maybe. But man, everything has been really bad. And this was an opportunity for him as a second-year guy to really put his stamp and go, yeah, I'm here to demand more minutes. And instead, he looked worse, which is a terrible, terrible sign. Their second round pick, who I think was pick 51 maybe, uh, Torres Martin, he did okay. He averaged almost 14 points per game, but he shot 28% from three. And so much of this, and we're going to talk more about this when I talk about what happened in the Western Conference tomorrow, but you know, that's that's great, 14 points, 25 minutes, it's nice, but there's no one else on the team taking those shots. How does that translate across to roles in the NBA. And I just don't think that Tyrese Martin really has any sort of a role. Uh, Alpha Carba did nothing. Marcus Georges Hunt did nothing. Chandler Hutchinson, he's useless. He did nothing. Um, Jolly Yayi was all right, but you know, still really nothing there. And this is a team where they're begging for someone to really stand up. And Martin had, well, I think the highest usage or close to it, 24%. Um, Chondi Brown, who's on a two-way with them, averaged 14 points in 23 minutes as well, but nobody really stood out. So there's not really much apart from the actual lack of production from um, old mate Sharif Cooper. In Brooklyn, it is a little bit different. 
because we did have some interesting performances. Number one of those is Cameron Thomas, who averaged 27.5 points in 30 minutes. He also averaged four assists, which is almost more interesting to me than the 27 points. Now, I know there's some people who will think, well, Kyrie's gone and Kyrie might be gone. They might get rid of KD. So that means there's going to be great value in Cam Thomas. I'm not 100% certain of that. A, because again, there's probably going to be players coming back in deals for those guys. And I'm not sure where Cam Thomas, what what he does. Like he averaged 11 free throw attempts per game. That's great. 34 usage. I honestly just don't think that he's going to be, all right, we've cleared out Duran and Irving, so it's Cam Thomas's show. Yeah, there is, oh, who knows what happens with Joe Harris and Seth Curry and, and Ben Simmons is still there, my God. Um, so I don't think that Thomas just comes in and runs it like a summer league game. And while the four assists are nice, he averaged under two rebounds. He only hit one three per game and hit him at 27%. It's just pure, pure volume here from him. And I'm not convinced that he ever turns into a fantasy superstar. David Duke. I think there's something interesting in him. What should I change? He's the one who sucks. Still needs to find a contract, I believe, for this season. I don't think he's signed yet. 19 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.4 steals. Shot the ball really well, apart from 26% from 3, but 50% overall. So the 4 assists that's interesting. I didn't really see much from him in terms of playmaking last season. But the other guy, one guy I talked about when we did the advanced stats stars. And we talked about Dayron Sharp saying he had some really good advanced numbers. And LaMarcus Aldridge is gone. Blake Griffin is gone. I don't know if they're coming back. I know Nick Claxton just signed. But Sharp, I would expect, he's only 20. I think he's going to get every night rotation minutes for the Nets. I don't think he's going to get 25 or 26 a night, but maybe 18. Maybe he gets 22 and Claxton gets 22 and they go small. But Sharp had 13 and 10, almost two blocks, 52% shooting. He actually attempted threes and hit 30% of them. He was way up the top in Kevin Pelton's summer league um, wins above replacement metric. That's really interesting. And I was talking, Alex Reclean, I think I was, was talking to me, going, man, I think he might be an interesting sleeper. And I pushed back a little bit, said, yeah, maybe, maybe, because I'm not sure that the minutes upside is there. But now that I look at it, it's only him and Claxton. And I'm not sure Claxton can play 30 a night. So that might mean 20 for Sharp. Hmm. Alondez Williams didn't really do much. Two and a half assists. Kessler Edwards, who they did bring back. I think he's a solid enough rotation guy, maybe, but only 10 points. He didn't really stand out here. It was, to me, Duke, Sharp, and Thomas are the three big standouts, I think, from this Brooklyn Nets um, Summer League squad. Boston. On paper, it wasn't the greatest team, but Fyundo Cabangale, another one of those guys way out the top of Pelton's uh, wins above replacement metric. He was great. 15 and 8, over two blocks. True shooting of 69%. Giggity. He's not on a roster at this point. And even if he signed in Boston, there's Horford and Williams and Grant Williams ahead of him. But he always had really intriguing fantasy upside. His shooting upside, he hit over three a game at 40%. Hit his field goals at a huge rate. Hit his free throws, got to the line, blocked shots, rebounded, scored. There is a fantasy guy in this, but it might be a fantasy guy in the same way that Alexis Ajinsa or Czech Diallo had that fantasy upside, but could never really get on the court to do it. But watch that. J.D. Davison led the Summer League in assists. 13, 5, and 8 he averaged. 1.2 blocks as well. The minutes aren't there with Smart, Brown, Brogdon, White, Pritchard. There's no playing time available. He's on a two-way. 
And maybe he turns into like a Tremont Waters player. But a guy that was a highly rated high school prospect and struggled in college, putting up numbers is interesting. Yuhan Bagaran, second round picks last year, 18 points in 31 minutes. That's that's interesting. That he was able to get that sort of volume. Again, there's no opportunities here for him. Um, I, I thought Trevion Williams was a bit disappointing. A seven and seven, but only two assists. Didn't really stand out to me. Sam Hauser averaged nine and a half points. Uh, Matty Ryan hit five threes a game in the two games that he played. So 10 threes overall at 53%. Hit a game winner as well. So some interesting performance for these guys who are sort of back-end roster players. Ryan, Thomas, Broderick Thomas it is. Bagaran, who I'm not sure will sign. Davison, Cabangale. I'd watch for Cabangale if he goes to another team. That could be uh, that could end up being an interesting situation. There's always an interesting situation over at Built.com, though, because Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. And now, Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. We had it in a uh, Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar, and now we've got it in a puff. And the puffs are like this marshmallowy, fluffy, pillowy goodness filled with protein, but low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar. It's a perfect treat when you're looking to count your calories or you've been to the gym and you need to smash in that protein. They're good for you, and that low calorie is an absolute winner. All the Built Bars are made with collagen protein. It's really easy to absorb in your body, and we love getting that high level of protein into our guts as quickly as we can. Delicious coconut-rich sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use the code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order the code. It's LOCKED15, and as you know, Built Bar is built different. All right. The Charlotte Hornets, they just said, right, we're going to play centers. That's all we're going to do. It's all going to be centers. Nicky Richards, 15 and 10 with two and a half blocks. But is he the fifth center on this team? Fourth? Their roster has Mason Plumley, Mark Williams, which I am going to start using this one for Mark Williams. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, JT Thor, the God of Hammers. We know each other. He's a friend from work. There's Kai Jones, and there's Nick Richards. Richards put up good numbers here, but where does he fit in that rotation? Kai Jones did not. I don't think he's good. He's still only 21. He averaged 8 and 6 on 43% shooting. He did have two blocks. I still don't think he's good. While Mark Williams, I think while I like Mark Williams as a theory, I like Mark Williams as a dynasty player, I think having Steve Clifford as a coach, a low, slow pace guy, who hates rookies notoriously on a team with five centers, I wouldn't be going out there and going, Mark Williams is going to play 30 a night. In fact, I will be absolutely flabbergasted if Williams plays 30 a night. I don't think he starts. I think I think they start Plumlee, which again, it's pretty gross. Like It's disgusting to think about, but I think Plumlee's going to start. Maybe they start PJ Washington, but then who is at the four, given the absences of other players? Maybe they go with Martin and Haywood at the three and the four, and Washington starts at the five. That's another center to add into the mix. Williams was all right, 1.4 blocks, but 44% shooting as a big man is terrible. Seven and 70 average, like they're not good numbers. He, he didn't look massively impressive. I, I do think he's got upside, but I think it's going to be a disappointing and slow process for him this year. McGowan's played 31 minutes. He's on a two-way for them, Bryce's. He averaged 15 points. He did hit 43% of his threes. Unfortunately, he hit 27% of his twos. But getting that three-point volume in there for a team which, despite having Rogier and Ball as their starters, their guard depth is not, it's not 
really that strong. Yeah, do you count Kelly Oubre as a guard? Not really. Gordon Haywood's not really a guard. Cody Martin's not is not a guard. But the guard depth is not it's not overflowing. So yeah, even though he's a two way guy, he's someone to at least watch to see the way they um develop. If you're wondering, Leandro Ball uh, hit 18% of his threes. Yes, and he is not, nor ever will be, I don't think, an NBA player. Chicago Bulls. Wasn't a great summer league team, but Marco Simonovic was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, averaged 15-9 and on 51-77. and He did what he needed to do. High-usage player, second-year guy, put up big numbers in summer league. That's what you want him to do. Does it translate to anything? Probably not. Like, what is he, a backup center? Third-string center behind Vooch and Drummond? Do they, will they give him minutes at the four? I wouldn't have thought so with Pat Williams and Derek Jones probably getting that. He sort of did what he needed to do, but it wasn't anything that blew me away. Dale and Terry got hurt towards the end. He played 22 minutes a game, 12, three and three, eh, like 58%. Field goal percentage is nice. 43% from three is nice. 62 from two is nice. But this team, this where are the minutes for him? Levine, DeRozan, Ball, if he plays. Dragic, Caruso, White, Dasunmu. I just don't know where the minutes are for Terry. Does he play behind DeRozan as the backup three? Like Troy Brown did at times last season, but there's just not enough minutes there for me to really care. Justin Lewis, two-way guy, only 20. Um, 0.8 blocks as a wing is an interesting number. But this, oh yeah, he's a two-way guy, and I don't really see... He's got some upside for sure, but I don't see him having too much of an impact um, this coming season. For the Cleveland Cavaliers... Oshai Baji, he only shot 37% from the field. So while 15 points is okay, he played 31 minutes a night. He didn't dominate with usage. He didn't shoot particularly well. He shot well from the line. But 15, 5, and 2 are not the numbers where I go, wow, Baji's going to play 27 minutes a night and be fantasy draftable. I didn't like the pick. I don't like the prospect. Uh, I like the bloke. He's a great bloke. Seems like a fantastic guy. I don't really see how he's having impact this season. RJ Nembhard is a two-way guy. I thought he played pretty well, 15-4-4. Four four. But again, like behind, maybe he gets some minutes early when Rubio is still recovering. Um, but I don't really see it. Well, Luke Travis, second-round pick. Real defensive master stuff here. 1.2 steals, 1.2 blocks as a wing is great. He can't shoot, didn't hit his free throws, can't hit his threes. And there's, they don't actually have any roster spots. I think they've got 15 guys plus two two-way guys. And that doesn't include Sexton. And Travis hasn't signed, and Khalifa Diop hasn't signed either. I don't think he will sign. So Travis doesn't actually have a spot at the moment. They gave the other two-way spot to Isaiah Mobley, who averaged 9-8 and eight in 26 minutes, but like his brother, good passing numbers. Three assists, a block. He's not going to have an impact this season. But seeing those assist numbers from Isaiah Mobley was pretty intriguing. Let's go to the Detroit Pistons. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Now I can look at this and go, Isaiah Stewart hit 56% of his threes, which he actually did. It's a true statement. It's real, a real number. It's in just two games. But the fact to me that he is hitting them, and he's never going to hit them at that rate. Look, we, I hope that's an understanding from everybody. I'm not saying he will, and you're not believing that he will. But the fact that he was attempting them, the fact that he was attempting that many threes means, I hope, fingers crossed, that they are planning for him to play with someone like Jalen Duran. Rather than starting Marvin Bagley next to Isaiah Stewart. Maybe that does help Bagley a little bit if Stewart can shoot, but 
I think ideally you want your pairing to be Stewart and Duran. Now, I would prefer that they just sort of go with actually stretch more stretchy wings rather than trying to turn an undersized center into a power forward, which Stewart is. And they've got guys like Isaiah Livers and Sadiq Bey who can man the three in the four position. Or well, Alec Burks can play some of that there. But it was really intriguing for me for Stewart. Now, remember, Stewart didn't play particularly well last season. Casey really limited his minutes, and it could be a problem again. And it's going to be a problem, I think, with Duran as well, who played 20 minutes here, averaged 11 points, but three rebounds. Um, one block for Duran. Interestingly, his true shooting was 68%. That's really encouraging. Good from the line, good from the field. He looked really strong. But much like with Mark Williams, the coach who coaches them in the NBA, the other players in that position, Stewart, Bagley, Nerland's Noel, they might they might not start Duran to begin the year. He might play 18 minutes a night. He might sit out games to begin the season. That is a possibility. Jaden Ivey played two games and got injured in the first quarter of the second game and still averaged six free throw attempts per game. Context is important. 15 points in 19 minutes is great. Four assists in 19 minutes is great. But then you've got to fit next to Cade Cunningham. And he just isn't going to... I'm not sure that he starts either. If they do go with Bagley and uh, Stewart as the four and the five, that means Bay plays the three and then Cunningham's there. And I could see them starting Alec Burks rather than Jaden Ivey. They might, they might not. Ivey didn't register a single defensive stat in those five quarters. That's a little bit concerning. He hit... Threes at 50%, one and a half uh, threes made across those games. Three threes in five quarters, not bad. I think he's worth maybe going to be a last round pick, and I still like his dynasty upside, but we didn't get a full look at that. I thought the locksmith, Braxton Key, did all right, 12 points in 26 minutes, and I really like Isaiah Livers. He only played two games, 14 points in, in 30 minutes, two and a half threes. I would love to see them, you know, him being like the eighth man or seventh man, a guy that backs up Bay, a guy that plays next to Bay as a 3-4 combination yeah, with Duran and Stewart being the centers. Like, I don't need to see Marvin Bagley at all. I don't need to see Nerlens Noel at all, but for some reason, Troy Weaver thinks we do. I really like Livers and his upside. That's that's interesting. We only saw one game from Killian Hayes. He didn't do a huge amount. 7-3-4 and four in 22 minutes. It's okay. He's going to have a role, but it's going to be marginalized with Ivy now in town and Burks again, another player there in Detroit. Let's go on to the Indiana Pacers. There is still lots of muddled stuff here with this team in the regular season. They didn't get DeAndre Ayton, but they do still have Miles Turner. Isaiah Jackson did exactly what we would have wanted. 10 and 8, 3.3 blocks in 22 minutes. I think he's going to be a, a, a definite draftable guy. I don't think they envisage him as a power forward, and they shouldn't. And I don't think they'll play him much with Turner. They are going to allegedly start Jalen Smith at the four. And I think they would like to see Smith and Jackson be that front court. Now, there will be games where Jackson gets into a lot of foul trouble. He hurt his ankle a lot last season. Gogo Badadze is still around. And remember, they did prefer Badadze starting over Jackson nearly every game last season, that, that opportunity and the choice was between those two. I don't think that'd be the case this year. But Jackson did exactly what he needed to do. But Turner's still there. And if Turner's still there, he'll play 31 minutes and Jackson might play 20. And that might be enough. But we need Turner to move. And then Jackson legitimately, legitimately has top 35 upside, I think. Um, Humpty Dumpty, Benedict Matherin, 22 minutes, 19 points, four rebounds, 1.3 steals, really nice efficiency, 60% true shooting, 39% from three. He did have 29 usage though. And again, I'm not, he's one of those guys where like not a rebounder, 
Not a high-volume three-point shooter. Not an assist guy. The steals are pretty good, and he got to the line a lot. But will he be the starter on this team? There'll be Halliburton. They're still healed. They're still Duarte. They just they don't have any threes, though. So I guess that's the thing. So healed will be the three, and Mathurin will be the three, maybe? There's not really many guys to play out in the wing there. I don't think he'll be a fantasy guy. I think he'll hover outside the top 200 for a while this season because he won't be able to maintain that usage. It does depend on what they do with Heald, though, and how they decide to run that rotation. Where, But I think Matherin's going to be ahead of guys that they brought in, say, like Aaron Neesmith, who... What what did he shoot? Like 50% from three in a 13-game college sample, and people rated him the best shooter in the draft, and he hasn't been able to do anything since then and did nothing again here. 32% from the field, 29% from three. I just don't think he's very good. Well, Kendall Brown didn't do anything to get me massively excited, and the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor, 14 and 8. He's a solid rotation piece, and I think he gets some backup minutes, but there's still O'Shea Brissett as the backup four behind Smith. And Brissett and Taylor, this is the players they are, right? I'll get back to Matthew in a second. I don't know why I distracted myself there. Um, Brissett and Taylor, they are backups on bad teams. That is, that is how I view them as NBA players. And I think people will see some numbers they put up at times and think, wow, they're, they're really strong. I, I don't think they're very good long-term players. And they're still in a, that, there's still a massive crunch in that front court. Jackson, Smith, Turner, Badadze, Brissett, Taylor. There's still a big crunch there. As for Matherin, he just turned 20. Um, back to him. Yeah, that's helter-skelter way to approach this. There is some interest in him, but again, I just think we won't be seeing big usage or consistently huge minutes straight away. And I don't think he's got the fantasy game of saying Isaiah Jackson that if he got 22 minutes, it'd be great. He'd need, he'd need 30, 31, and have a decent chunk of the usage to be um, as impactful as uh, as what we might hope. Let's go on to the Miami Heat. This will be pretty quick. There's really nothing to talk about here. Haywood Highsmith averaged 1.7 steals. He's on their roster. Javante Smith, or Javante Smith, Javante Smart, who they believe they just waived to bring in Darius Days and Marcus Garrett as the two-way guys. Garrett averaged seven points on 32%. And then Nikolajovic shot 43% from three, but played 20 minutes and averaged eight points. And I'll talk about this a little bit later on, but... Jovic had two stinkers. He had one good game and then another not great game. He didn't do anything to me to suggest he's a rotation player for the the Heat this season or any sort of long-term upside. I don't really like him long-term. And nothing that he did in the summer league changes my mind and my pre-draft evaluation. He is 19, so there is plenty of space for him to improve. He didn't register a single defensive stat in 80 minutes of basketball, which is a little bit concerning as a 6'10 forward. Not one. Um, and he had like, what, two assists. In that time. Not the greatest fantasy upside player, I don't believe. Let's look at the Bucks. When I talked earlier about um, Marco Simonovic for the Bulls, you know, second year big man should put up some numbers. Sandro Mamakelish Oh, I can't believe I screwed it up. Sandro Mamakelishvili, this is what this is the the bar that you want. You're a second year big man. Kick their ass. Twenty and nine, three assists, one point five steals, one point three blocks. 62 true shooting, two and a half threes a game on 50%. That's domination. Now, there are minutes at the backup forward spot, backup four behind Giannis. And Mamu started some games last season. He's ahead of Thanasis pretty clearly. This was, this is interesting. This is where I go, oh, maybe you can be a rotation player. He put up great numbers at Seton Hall, I believe. 
And I thought he did okay last season, and his numbers here were, were strong. Some really interesting... That, that's interesting from him, from Mamu. Marjan Beauchamp, I thought he looked pretty good, and he's going to fill a role. And I reckon he should be able to battle Grayson Allen and Wes Matthews when they're hurt or missing times. So he can be a rotation player. 14 points, two assists, shot 45 from the field and 44 from three, unfortunately, just 64 from the line. And part of his issue was really poor shooting in the G League. And I think he hit like 20% of his three. So hitting at a good number is good. And I thought he looked really strong out there. Their sec late second round pick, Hugo Besson, he only played 12 minutes. And that makes me think that they just did not think he was close to ready. Three and two, 0.3 assists as a point guard. I'm not sure he's going to be signed. I don't think he will be. And their other two-way guy, AJ Green, uh, Sandro's on the two-way as well. AJ Green, eight points in 17 minutes. I, I don't know why he got that two-way deal, to be honest, and I don't think he did anything to make me super interested in him as a long-term player. There was a lot of interest in the Knicks because Quentin Grimes looked great. 23.5 points, four threes, four assists, shot 34 from three, true shooting of 57, massive usage. But again, even if he is to supplant Evan Fournier as the starter, I don't think he will. There's so much in flux with this team. Brunson's there. Barrett's there. Randall's there. What if Mitchell comes in? What about this insane thing that I saw Mark Stein saying today that if the Knicks were to get Donovan Mitchell, they'd entertain a swap of Julius Randall for Russell Westbrook. Now, I know I dunk on the Knicks a lot, and maybe this is just conjecture and it's not actually true, but that could be one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I will overpay to get Jalen Brunson in who probably would still be a third offensive option anyway behind Randall and Barrett. Let's bring Mitchell in so we've got an undersized backcourt and take the ball out of Brunson's hand. Oh, and then bring Westbrook in. So one of those guys comes off the bench or Mitchell plays the three? What? Or Barrett plays the four? Just nonsense, nonsense level team building if that is in fact something that they would do. It would make no... Unless, is Barrett going back in the... I don't know. None of that makes sense. Grimes? We're really on watch to see if he ends up in Utah. And we're also, I think we're also watching to see Juice McBride. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. I like McBride more than Grimes pre-draft. I, I probably am more in the Grimes camp now. But Juice averaged 17, five and a half assists, two and a half steals, a true shooting of 63, including 35% from three. He hit almost, we hit two threes a game. Yes, there is Rose, there is Brunson. These guys are all ahead of him. But just watch. What if he goes to Utah? They clear out Mike Conley and he has to play. He's got a very interesting fantasy game. So McBride and Grimes, very good stuff. Jericho Sims, 1.3 blocks, 80% shooting and 31% from the line. He's not going to get minutes because Hartenstein and Robinson are ahead of him. But he's someone to watch. Trevor Keels did Trevor Keels things and that's six points on 26% shooting. But he averaged two steals and three assists. He's a long way to go to get rotation minutes. And Jean Montero didn't really do anything that excited me. And I'm not sure that he ends up with a um, regular season uh, roster spot at this stage. Let's talk about the Orlando Magic. Took a while to get here, the number one pick, but Paolo Bancaro looked great. He only played two games. He played 30 minutes, 20 and five, six assists, two and a half steals and a block. To me, he's the clear number two guy in dynasty leagues and you could take him number one. I wouldn't, but you could. Defensive stats won't be this real. He's going to pass a lot. I wouldn't worry about Jonathan Isaac or Mo Bamba or Chumura Kiki. Bunkero is going to play. He's going to play 30 plus minutes. He's going to start. Maybe they ease him in a little bit. Probably not. He'll play 30 plus. He will be a really strong option. He's probably going to be a top 70 guy. I don't know because I haven't projected him yet. But his, his ability to pass is really strong. Um, 
his presence means that I think Cole Anthony's utility is just not important. They don't have to rely upon John Isaac at all. Mo Bumba's barely going to get minutes, I would suggest. Well, not enough anyway. Um, although he looked great. And I think he's going to have top 30 fantasy seasons in the future. Simpson, eh? Xavier Simpson played for the Thunder at the end of last season and did all right here. Six assists, two steals. Didn't shoot particularly well, 29% from three. But okay as an assist guy. Just watch to see if he catches on anywhere. Then there's guys like Devin Kennedy, Justin James, Admiral Schofield. RJ Hampton, third-year player, thought, all right, I'll go out and play Summer League. He looked terrible. He was so bad. Uh, yeah, I, no, no. I think we're done with him. There's still Harris. There's Anthony. There's Fultz. There's Suggs. I don't think he's a rotation player. And one, this is one thing that's really important. Remember that first game that the Magic played and Caleb Houston went off? Man, what a steal. And you know what he ended up doing? Eight points in 29 minutes on 33% shooting with one assist and one steal and one block across four games. These are the numbers that he put up in Michigan. He had that one game where he shot and he looked great. And then the other three were actually really bad. He, I, I don't like him. as I didn't like the pick. I thought it was too early as the pick. Um, and we always have to, because that got highlighted everywhere. And as soon as that big Caleb Houston um, game came up, I had a Caleb Houston prospect scouting video and someone commented, man, this take looks like it's aged terribly already. Yes, it's only one game. But yeah, that's right. Because we highlight those big performances. And then when they do nothing after that, it doesn't get mentioned. And he was really bad after that first game. Like I didn't, He barely even hit a shot after that first game. Some really, really poor performances there, I thought, from Caleb Houston after that first big game. For the Sixers, big Paul Reed. He was basically in the too good for summer league camp. 17-11, two and a half steals. Is he the backup center? I hope so. It's either him or Goldfinger Charlie Bassey, who averaged eight and six with 2.2 blocks. Reed is a very interesting fantasy player. Um, he's just not going to get enough playing time or minutes, though, unfortunately. Isaiah Joe hit four threes a game. Hit him at 53% across almost 100 minutes of basketball. It's not bad. 16 points. But remember, there's Maxi, there's Harden, there's Melton, there's Milton. There's Joe. Look, where does he fit in that mix? I do think Joe still can have an NBA role, but let's not overrate it because there's not that much playing time. I don't think available there for him. And he might look, he could probably and probably should take over from Shake, but you've still got Melton, Maxi, Harden all in front of him. Jaden Springer was drafted last season. He's still not even 20, but 11 points in 28 minutes, shot under 30%, didn't hit free throws. He got steals. He's athletic, but he hasn't really figured out the NBA game at this stage. For the Raptors, pretty boring stuff. Delano Banton scored well, but I don't see him as a long-term high upside NBA player. He's already, he's going to be 23 in a couple of months. He averaged 16 points in 29 minutes, four assists and two steals. And he is a good steals guy and he is a good rebounder. But the overall, I think, lack of um, shooting or even self-creation might be a problem. He shot well here, though. No doubt about that. 47 from the field and 46 from three. That's really good. I don't really see it for him. Although they do have a dearth of guards. There's Van Vliet, there's Trent, there's Flynn. And that's it. So maybe he can force his way in. Amani Brooks, also on that roster. He shot poorly, though. 39% overall. 28 from three. He hit three threes. While Ronnie Harper, uh, yeah, look, good. Did he got a two-way deal? Nothing about the numbers particularly stick out. While Coloco averaged three blocks, but 32% shooting and 54 from the line is horrendous. And there is, let's reel them off. Achua, Birch, Boucher, 
Young, Siakam. All these guys are going to get sentiments. I like Coloco. Uh, I don't like the fact that they brought back Young and Boucher because it's going to basically nullify him, I would expect, this season, unfortunately for him. And let's talk about the final team who were one of the worst teams to watch, I think, in summer league. Jordan Shackle He's a two-way guy. He's a shooter, apparently. He had 14 points, but that was at 32% from three. I don't see a role for him. Vernon Carey, he's going to be third string at best center behind Porzingis and Gafford. 11.6 rebounds. But their number one guy that everyone wanted to watch was Cobra Kai, the sensei, Johnny Davis. And let's be honest, he was terrible. Apparently, he had back stiffness. He averaged eight points in 25 minutes, under 30% shooting. Hit one three. No, one steal, no blow blocks, under two assists a game. I did not like Johnny Davis as a prospect. I did not like the pick at number 10. So all this does is inflate my opinion. I go, yeah, I didn't like it. There's no indication as to what he's going to be in the future, of course. And people can, plenty of people can turn it around. But the concerns I had with Davis and why I didn't like him as a prospect shone out here. Like, you've got to be able to adjust to a different role, and he couldn't. And I, I think that some of his defensive prowess was maybe overstated somewhat. Some sites list him as a point guard, which he absolutely is not. And I don't see the path for minutes on the court this season with Barton, with Beal, with Morris. I don't see how he's going to get anywhere near reliable enough minutes. He might be a rotation guy, but he really struggled. If you do believe in Johnny Davis, it's a perfect time to buy low in a dynasty format. But I don't, so I won't be. I wouldn't have had him at 10. I, don't, I think I had him at 16 in the draft overall. And that, guys, will do it for the Summer League recap from the Eastern Conference. I'll do the Western Conference tomorrow, so stick around for that. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL. We're doing the top 50 players according to BetOnline. The uh, the odds makers, they know which players' absences and presences move the lines. So check out the top 50 players there on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And also, after listening to this, check out Locked On NBA. 30 minutes of NBA action every single day. Follow this show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. You are here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.